and welcome to Regeneratively Speaking, a podcast brought to you by the Wake Forest Institute for Regenerative Medicine in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. In each episode, we bring you interviews with our researchers and our institute's faculty covering the latest cutting-edge research in regenerative medicine. I'm your guest host, Karen Richardson, and today I'll be speaking with Dr. James Thacker, President and Chief Scientific Officer at Theramunix Pharmaceuticals. Theramunix is a biopharmaceutical research and development company that is building upon the great work of the late Professor Jurg Schopp and the discovery of the inflammasome signaling platform. Their work has numerous therapeutic applications ranging from scleroderma, which is a chronic autoimmune disease, to cancer, to infectious disease, and even to Alzheimer's disease. Welcome, Dr. Thacker. Thank you for having me. We have a very diverse audience who listens to our podcast, and I'm wondering if you could start off by providing us with a broad overview of your current research. For example, what exactly is the inflammasome? The inflammasome, as you pointed out, was uh, first described back in 2002 by Jörg Schopp. And it is a uh, complex of um, protein complex that aggregates and it now appears from over the last 13 years of biology that it is a central cellular regulator in response to stress and promotion of uh, the inflammatory response that is sometimes referred to as the innate immune response. And what are examples of some human diseases that involve this immune response? Well, it's, it's important in the, uh, both in health and in disease. On the health side, it is the uh, protein platform, as I said, that stimulates the what is called the innate immune response, and that is activation of the tissue-resident immune cell phenotypes in response to a, an infection and elimination of those uh, uh, pathogens and resolution of infection and prevention for progression to disease. On the other hand, uh, it is a, a platform that can be um, dysregulated and chronically active and leads to uh, a wide variety of diseases that are referred to as the chronic inflammatory diseases, which includes everything from inflammatory bowel disease to uh, colitis to uh, scleroderma um, and, and fibrotic diseases and cancer. So quite a variety. Virtually, it's been said that uh, 45% of all uh, patients that die, die from an end-stage fibrosis, and that's pretty much true. Every, everything leads ultimately to fibrosis. And is it accurate that your team has discovered a peptide that is involved in both activating the response, but also may be helpful in cases of chronic inflammation? Yes, and that's that really is, uh, um, I think it's consistent with normal biology where we have oftentimes have negative uh, feedback mechanisms that uh, regulate something both upregulated and downregulated, and that's exactly what we've discovered. Okay. 
During your talk today, you mentioned that the company's initial goal is to apply the drug to scleroderma. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that disease? Yes, scleroderma is a um, chronic inflammatory disease of unknown uh, etiology. It is uh, a disease of, of affecting mostly women um, in the age of 30 to 55, um, and it is in its diffuse systemic form. Um, it is a 100% uh, fatal disease, and uh, there are no treatments for, for scleroderma. There's a variety of symptomatic treatments, but nothing that, has, that alters the disease course. And are you expecting that the treatment would apply to those most severe cases or to... Yeah, they're mild forms of yeah. disease, and it would apply to all, but we're going to focus initially on the more severe forms and uh, patients that have um, uh, major organ involvement and the, the ultimate uh, course for them is it, is it is fatal. And it seems like you're saying that um, the drug candidate has the potential to both upregulate and downregulate the immune response. Um, is that to be expected or is it sort of paradoxical? Well, on the surface it, it's paradoxical until you understand the molecular biology that leads to that, and that's because we've developed our drug candidate, niclinamide, as a homolog of the signaling peptide that we discovered. And now we know that that signaling peptide is involved in both the upregulation and downregulation of this inflammatory response. So what we're doing, in effect, when the downregulating side is that we've shown that in, in diseases like scleroderma that start off with a chronic inflammation, that ultimately the natural source of this peptide is exhausted. And that leads then to the fibrotic side of the disease where you have uncontrolled, <clears throat> as a result of the uncontrolled inflammation. So what we're all we're doing is administering through our drug candidate, which is a homologue of that signaling peptide is we are replacing the uh, exhausted signaling peptide and causing resolution of the disease. Okay, so that's an example where you need to downregulate yes. the immune system. And then you mentioned earlier some diseases that are caused by chronic inflammation. Mm -hmm. In your company's research, what diseases are showing promise in that area? For this treatment? Well, there's a lot of work that's been done by not just us but others that have shown the this particular inflammasome uh, platform being critical in the pathology of diseases like, uh, um, as I mentioned already, scleroderma, then um, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis has uh, been, been implicated in type 2 diabetes, even more recently in type 1 diabetes. Uh, and also Alzheimer's disease. And how might the drug candidate be applied to regenerative medicine? After speaking with Dr. Atala today, all of the um, work that you're doing here involves growth of cells which can lead to inflammation and fibrosis. And so this drug candidate can be important in helping to A, proliferate cells or B, to downregulate the uh, fibrotic processes that may, may be occurring. 
So it is useful in a, several different applications, and one of the things that we're talking about is how we can collaborate together to discover how best to apply this. It's, it's fundamental biology, and it is uh, central to much of, uh, of what you're doing here, on the, at least at the molecular biology level. And somebody in the audience today who works on burn healing brought up that example as a potential use. Oh, absolutely. We actually treated one of our colleagues, uh, received a third degree burn, and was a candidate for some uh, cosmetic surgery to try to overcome the scarring. And uh, she started treating that burn with uh, niclinamide, and uh, we found uh, remarkable uh, wound healing in uh, in this case, uh, no infection, um, and uh, rapid epithelialization in that burn, such to the point that no cosmetic surgery was required, and there's no visible scarring. Mm. And that's amazing that the same drug could both promote healing and then lessen the chance of scarring. It is surprising and it sounds almost too good to be true until you really understand the molecular basis of the mechanism and understand that this is nothing more than what the body does. The process of wound healing is controlled by this inflammasome and, and when it's um, dysregulated and in some patients uh, it becomes dysregulated and over overheals and you get massive scarring like in uh, keloid formation in uh, African Americans. Uh, it's a function of excessive wound healing. Mm -hmm. In looking over your bio, you earned your Bachelor of Science degree with honors in biochemistry at North Carolina State University and your graduate degree in organic chemistry and biochemistry also at North Carolina State. For our younger audience, could you provide some advice on lessons you learned during this training that helped you throughout your career? I think the most important thing is not so much what you study, but that you learn how to learn. I was not trained as an immunologist or molecular biologist, I became one. I think the educational experience, if you apply yourself uh, and you truly learn how to learn, you can then take on whatever challenges you face in your future, there's no way you can predict today what those challenges might be. But if you know how to learn, you can adapt. Oh, that's good advice. Are there any special mentors that you would like to acknowledge who have helped you navigate such a successful career? Uh, it's been a variety of people. It's um, no one in particular, more, more of uh, groups of individuals that have been instrumental to, to uh, who I am today and how I approach things and that would have to be my former uh, Special Forces brothers. Without, uh, they raised me, they made me mm -hmm. who I am today and taught me all I needed to know. And also from your bio it indicates that you're active in nonprofit organizations that support the indigenous people of Southeast Asia. Can you briefly tell us a little bit more about some of this work? Yeah, that's, that's something that's very near and dear to me. It's uh, uh, from my experiences in Southeast Asia during the, the Vietnam conflict and, and some of the uh, angst and guilt that having to leave these people behind and all that they've suffered. It's, uh, it, it is incredible what they've suffered uh, since we left. And uh, 
many of us have not forgotten, and um, there's one person in particular, Tommy Daniels, is doing some really good work through his nonprofit, Cambodia Corps, and what they're doing is is getting education for these children of our comrades that fought with us and uh, providing aid, medical aid, access to uh, food, shelter, giving, uh, getting scholarships to, for, these, for their children to go to school and doing a lot of good work for the Khmer and the Montagnards and the Chom uh, that were instrumental in supporting us in that conflict. And well, we've not forgotten them and they've not forgotten us. Are there any specific success stories that you know about from these efforts that you want to share? Uh, other than you know what, what what Tommy has shared with me, and that they they probably get anywhere from three to five uh, kids into in, into some advanced schooling somewhere, and uh, give them an opportunities for advancement, and um, at the rate of three to five per year with a minimal amount of dollars that he has through his his company to do that um, I think that's 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 a plus I know also several thousands of uh, the Khmer have been relocated to the United States mm. and organized and they've organized into groups that are uh, supporting uh, organizations like the Red Cross or FEMA in the event of a natural disaster in this country so they're still putting uh, their volunteer efforts forward on our behalf and for our audience, what would be the key take-home message that you would want them to have from this podcast? Well, I think the future, not only in regenerative medicine, but also in medicine in general, is, is um, it really is changing. And we're going to see, uh, I know of several other companies like ours that are generating uh, new drug candidates that really and truly alter the disease course in patients with uh, very severe diseases, and um, you know, the, of course, you know the, the tissue regeneration work that you all are doing, which is phenomenal, and we're doing this in, in a cost-benefit ratio that is far better than what is currently available. So, I'm very optimistic about uh, the future and the people that are involved in this this frontier of medicine. This is the frontier. And those that are doing this this cutting-edge work, uh, it is exciting. Don't ever let anybody tell you differently. It is the future. And never, never, never quit. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. That's all for this episode. Be sure to listen next time for the latest regenerative episode. podcast is a production of Wake Forest Institute for Regenerative Medicine, part of Wake Forest Baptist Medical Center. For more information, visit our website at www.wfirm.org or follow us on Facebook or Twitter at WFIRM News.